Well, good morning, everyone. I'm John Schmidt, the senior pastor here at Centerpoint. And today we're continuing on in our series on parables, where we're looking at some hidden truths in the Bible, some things that are hidden from us. And uh, Jesus taught in parables so that if people were not willing to listen, things would stay hidden. But if you and I are willing to listen, if we seek him, we'll find the truth we're looking for. You'll see more of what I'm talking about in a second. I want to welcome all the people worshiping with us online. We're glad you're with us. And at uh, Wetumpka and Cloverdale, Pike Road, glad you're along for the ride. If you need a pen to fill in the blanks, just raise your hand. One of the ushers will bring one to you. And today, as we talk about parables, today we're talking about a story that Jesus told about a farmer sowing seed. There's an outline inside your bulletin. And point A just remind, tells us this, that one day Jesus told a parable about a farmer sowing seed. What's a parable? Well, it's a short story that explains spiritual truth by using everyday objects and relationships. So the, the point of this is, it's something, the word parable means to throw alongside. If I throw this down, you'll see this. So it's like a, a really good analogy, a, a, a really eye-opening story that helps you see things. You know, that was one of the things I learned when we got married, that uh, my wife and I, she would explain that to me that when she was crying on the couch, I should come put my arm around her and things. Oh, that would be a good time. Yeah, it's things like that. And, and so we went and when we got some uh, marriage, uh, some premarital counseling and things, the, the things that the pastors told us and advisors told us, they said, hey, when you get together, uh, Debbie, you're going to have to help John understand how this makes you feel emotionally. And so she would try different things. And finally, she stumbled across some sports analogies that made sense to me. It's like, you know, that'd be like this. And you miss that shot. And then somebody needs to put their arm on you. Go, oh, I got it. You know, and then she go, I just, you just, you really missed the shot. Okay, you need to come here. And it's like, oh, okay, I got it. And for me, you know, I was just really slow on that. And the good news, it only took me 19 years to get there. But anyway, but um, no, the idea is that when sometimes when somebody tells us a story, all of a sudden something connects with our heart. We didn't care till then. And in a parable, Jesus is doing, using analogies, using stories to throw alongside Ordinary relationships, ordinary details, and then all of a sudden we understand what heaven's like. In this case, today we're going to learn about the receptivity of people's hearts. Listen to the story. I'll just let you hear the story and then uh, and how Jesus explained it. This is from Matthew 13. He told many stories in the form of parables such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds, and as he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. Seeds sprouted up quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much as been planted. Anyone with ears should hear and should listen, and anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. And so Jesus told this story, and there would have been people in the crowd going, What? I mean, the point of the story is, so if a farmer is out sowing seed, he sh the seed that falls on good soil grows better than seed that falls on bad soil. I'm not studying agronomy at Auburn. I don't care. And there would have been people just like that. They would have been completely confused. And he, and, but he went on at the end of this, at the end of the message, he says, at the end of the story, he says, anyone with ears should listen and understand. And it's inviting us to go deeper. And his disciples even went to him. This is point B. Jesus often taught using stories like this, parables like this, in order to compel his listeners to discover truth. To discover truth. Because God wants us to seek him. You'll see this as we go through this. 
The disciples came to him and they said, well, why do you use stories like that? Why do you talk in parables when you talk to the people? And he replied, you're permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they'll have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. That's why I use these parables. For when they look, they, won't, they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. And this fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, When you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you won't comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear, and they've closed their eyes, so their eyes cannot see. And their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. And he was quoting from Isaiah 6, but the whole idea that Jesus is saying here, what he's trying to communicate to his disciples is, you guys have eyes that see, you're looking for deeper truth. But you're surrounded by people, they don't want deeper truth. They didn't come to listen anyway. I mean, you got to remember, every time that Jesus taught, there were people there trying to write down, take notes on everything he said so they could use it against him, so they could kill him. There were days when Jesus would be in a synagogue, and the story in one of the gospel accounts, it says that a man came with a withered hand to a synagogue, had a hand that was completely withered, all gnarled up with arthritis or something, just completely withered. And he was there, and Jesus had the power to heal him. And there were people standing around him, these legalistic experts that said that if you performed a healing on a Sabbath day, which is when they were gathered there, that that would be working. And one of the commandments, one of the Ten Commandments was to observe the Sabbath day, keep it holy, and do no work. And so this would mean that Jesus wasn't the Son of God if he healed this man. And Jesus even looked at them and said, so this man has a hand that won't work. Would you, would you seriously say that it's against God's will for me to heal him? And they said nothing. And he said, stretch out your hand. And his hand was healed. And it says that Jesus glared at the people standing around. He glared at them in anger. And they walked away and they were plotting on how to kill him. So if you wonder, what are you talking about with hard hearts? He could do a miracle and they didn't care. He could talk about heaven and they didn't care. It'd be like having whole Bibles on our desktops, on, in any possible translation, available at Walmart for $2.99, and we don't read it. Can you imagine living in a country like that? Oh, we do. Hey, it gets better. It's available on your phone for free at Bible.com. Little plug right there. You can read it anytime you want, any translation you want, and if you're not good at reading, you hit a play button and they'll even read it to you. And you go, John, that's the easiest ever. Everybody must be reading their Bibles. Nope, because we don't care. We have the Bible available in more translations than we've ever had, more access than we've ever had, and we probably have less biblical knowledge in the United States than we've ever had. Not because we don't have the information, because we're not willing to seek it. And Jesus said, I want to give you a warning. Warning, I'm teaching in parables because it's a filter for people who are too stubborn or too lazy to understand. And you'll see as we explains the parable of seed how all that plays out. So here's a life application for you and me. God rewards those who seek him. God rewards those who seek him. Hebrews 11:6. anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. The question is not whether God is available for us. The question is, do we even want to seek him? 
All too often, the only time we want to see God is when we're in a a life and death situation, a dangerous situation, something that's about to go very bad, a storm, a business reversal, a health crisis. Then we'll pray, but the rest of the time, we don't really care what you're saying. God, I just want you around. I want you around like a parachute, a ripcord. If I all of a sudden feel like I'm falling, I want to pull the ripcord, but the rest of the time, I don't want you. And Jesus said, I'm going to talk in parables. If that's your attitude, then you're going to miss all of this. But if you're seeking me, you're seeking what God wants, you'll meditate on this and say, what was he trying to say? How would the kingdom of God be like a farmer sowing seed and some of it fell on a path and didn't go in and the birds came and snatched it away and some of it fell among weeds and it got choked out? How would that describe how the kingdom of heaven works? And there were people thinking about the disciples' work. And he's about to explain it to them. But I want to give us one more life application here. Love or obedience or surrender is a choice. Put your own word in there. If I'm going to love you, that's a choice. The kind of love God wants is love that's freely given. And he gives his love to people who seek him. The question for you and me today is, How receptive is my heart? And if you turn your outline over, this is point C in your outline. The parable of the farmer sowing seed reveals the truth about the receptivity of our hearts. How receptive are we when God is speaking to us? Do we care? Are we willing to respond? And the whole idea is that we need to examine ourselves. If you have your outline open, if you go straight across the page... I want you to look at the scripture that's right there, 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Paul wrote this. He said, examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you failed the test of genuine faith. And so as we go through this today, I want us to test ourselves. Am I receptive? Am I willing to seek God? Because he's going to talk about hearts that are and hearts that are not. Now, normally I open up my message time with a word of prayer. I wanted to hold it till right here because I want us to pray that today God would speak to us. In Psalm 139, uh, I mean, I'm all over this little piece of paper, sorry. On the back side, there's the last references from Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. David wrote these words, Search me, O God, know my heart, test me, know my anxious thoughts, point out anything in me that offends you, and lead me along the path of everlasting life. What if you and I prayed that every day? And we said, Lord, if you're speaking to me, am I listening? Lord, I'd like to do some self-examination here. Because we go through these different types of soil, God's going to show us different kinds of hearts. Some hearts are receptive and some are not. And the question, I think, for you and me, and when he told this to people who were saying, hey, this is the way the kingdom of heaven works, well, the kingdom of heaven is available for people who seek, for people who are receptive when God speaks. And for people who are not, it just bounces right off. Can we have a word of prayer, please? Lord, we're in the middle of this message, and I want to stop for a word of prayer, because, Lord, I want you to make my heart receptive. Lord, what if every day I spent some time reading your word, and what if every day I said, Lord, I want to be receptive to what you want to tell me? Speak, Lord, I'm listening. Lord, what if every day I asked you to show me something and I sought you 
Well, today, Lord, we seek you. And so, Lord, I'm asking that you would speak and move me out of the way. Lord, I pray that every week. But today I'm going to add an additional line. And I'd like for each one of you to pray this silently where you are. Lord, I want you to speak and move me out of the way. I'm listening. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Because self-evaluation is part of the spiritual life. We're constantly going, hey, am I where I think I am? I mean, you know what self-evaluation is. Self-evaluation is called a bathroom scale. You know that dreaded device that you hide somewhere? Because <laughs> when you step on it, it lies. Okay, that's why. You know, and, uh, I wish I'd have brought it along. We were cleaning out some closet space. I found an old belt that I was wearing in college, and it shrunk. Anyway, uh, but it gets an opportunity for self-evaluation. Hey, what happened here? Well, what happened is I got bigger. And when, sometimes when we really evaluate ourselves, I mean, it's what David said, Lord, search me. I'm seeking you. I want a relationship with you more than anything else. Jesus says that's where the kingdom of heaven is. It's available for people who seek. If you're going to be so dull or too lazy or too stubborn to even read a Bible, to not even look for it, we say, oh, God, I want you to show me spiritual truth. But can you do it at the commercial break? Lord, I want you to show me spiritual truth after the weekend's over. Lord, I want you to show me spiritual truth after I've done every single other thing else in my life that I want to do. And the Lord's going, no. I want you to follow me. If you follow me, I will come into your life. I will change you. It's like placing a seed in good soil. It'll sprout up and yield a wonderful crop. And I want you to have a fruitful life. Now, let's go through the soils here. Now, listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. This is Matthew 13. This is Jesus again. He talks about four kinds of soil. First kind of soil is a hard soil. This is seed that fell on the footpath, and it represents those who hear the message about the kingdom of God, but they don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. These are people whose hearts are hard. And I wrote down on a sheet here before we started here, a couple of things that cause hard hearts. And you can just kind of make note of these in the margin. When my heart gets hard, probably one of these or a combination of these things has happened. There can be unrepentant sin in my life. The Bible says our consciences, if we continue to sin, knowingly do things that we know are wrong. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be gossip. could be um, bigotry. could be uh, theft could be any sort of sin. doesn't matter what it is, but if we continue in it, though we know it's wrong, our consciences get seared. It's like with a branding iron. They get cauterized. And now they're completely scarred and don't warn us anymore. And our hearts get hard. Well, if I have unrepentant sin in my life, I can expect that even if I hear God's word, it's just going to bounce right off. Maybe I've got pride in my life. This is a hard heart. How do I know if I have pride in my life? Well, I've had friends that have come and talked to me. My mom might have come and talked to me. People who love me come and say, I love you, but John, this has to change in my life. Nope. La, 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 la. Not listening. That's pride. If you have good friends who have sat down with you and said, I love you and I care about you, this has to change in your life, but you won't do it. Well, that's called pride, and that's a hard heart. That'll make our heart as hard as stone. 
Another thing that will harden our hearts is unforgiveness and bitterness. I don't care what you say. I'm not forgiving her. I'm not forgiving him. Mm-mm. Nope. We're done. Well, how is truth supposed to get in a heart that's closed off? Because Jesus came to forgive sins. And he said, hey, if you forgive others, then I'll forgive you. The same measure that's been, that you use on others is the measure I'm using on you. Come on now. So God, I want your forgiveness in my life, but I won't pass it on. God, I want you to show me truth. I want you to show me love, but I'm not passing on to him. I'm not passing on to her. Forget that noise. And Jesus says, be careful because if your heart is hard because of unrepentant sin, because of pride, because of unforgiveness, or maybe because of disappointment and setbacks. My heart's hard. My life's just messed up. I never get a break, all these things. Well, good luck trying to get God's word in. Because we're focused on all the things that we didn't get. We're focused on all the wrong things this person did to us. We're focused on how smart we are instead of how smart God is. We're focused on getting something that we know is not the right way to get it. And when those things happen, Jesus says that's like a, a footpath. A farmer in those days would sow the seed like you'd sow grass now, just broad sowing it, just reaching in a bag and scattering it. They would have plowed the soil with an ox or maybe with a hand tool. So this would be more like a garden to us and just scattering seed on top and then kind of stamping it in with your foot as you went along. Well, that's the way they actually farmed. And Jesus said when you did that, there could be a footpath and some of the seed fell on that footpath. Well, it's not going to penetrate at all. And the birds of the air come along and eat it and go. And he said, that's the way the devil is. If you could have somebody that would tell them the exact truth, could be their best friend, could have been straight from the word of God. Bonk. And it's lying there. And the devil comes along and gets rid of it before you have a chance to repent. Now, if you and I, here's a life application for those of us listening today. We must keep our hearts from becoming hard. Okay? I mean, I have a reference there from the Old Testament, Hosea 10. Plow up the hard ground of your heart, for now is the time to seek the Lord, that he may come and shower, that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. If you come here today and one of these words describes you, you know darn well that people have been confronting about you about this, but you won't give in. You refuse to forgive. You have allowed the disappointments and setbacks in your life to control all your thinking. Well, this is the time to plow that up. The kingdom of heaven, God says, I want my word to take root in your life so you can yield lots of fruit so that my word can change you. But nothing's going to get in if your mind is closed and your heart is hard. And so the key here is to repent. Repent means to turn around. Say, God, I'm going the wrong way. I've been too prideful. I'll forgive. You've forgiven me. And on this one with disappointment and setbacks, if I'm going to plow up the soil, this is to get counsel. Because counsel can give us perspective. There are so many times when we are disappointed at setbacks in our lives and we have just set our minds on this is the way my life should have turned out and we can't even see how blessed we are. Does anybody know what I'm talking about on this? And you sit there and go, well, this was wrong, and this was wrong, and this was wrong, and this was wrong. It's like, well, yeah, but this is right, and this is right, and this is right, and this is right. Do you not realize that? Well, sure, but those things don't matter. Whoa. 
And all of a sudden, once we can get a different perspective, well, now all of a sudden that hard soil can be broken up. We prayed a minute ago, Lord, if you're speaking to me, if you're here today and you realize your heart has grown hard because of unrepentant sin, repent today. As a pastor, can I beg you to turn from that sin, turn away from it, have nothing to do with it, make a radical change? If you've been prideful and people have been coming to you and saying, please stop, stop drinking, stop looking at pornography, stop doing this stuff. If people are begging you, people you need that you love, if you know this is going on in your life, turn, repent, forgive. Because if our hearts are hard, nothing's going to get in. And we're inviting the devil to come and snatch away the hope we have. Because our hearts are stubborn and hard. He who has ears, let him hear. Well, that was the hard soil, and we need to plow that up. But there's also a shallow soil, and that's point number two here, the seed on the rocky soil. It wasn't just soil with rocks on top. It was shallow soil with rocks underneath. So you had just a thin layer of topsoil on top of a bunch of rock. So the seed would go in, and there'd be enough moisture and nutrients in the soil for it to start growing but then once the sun came up and it got hot well it wither and die seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy but since they don't have deep roots they don't last long they fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing god's word yeah because they're shallow i'm great with going to worship i'm great singing worship songs i love Going to church when it's convenient. Hey, as long as it doesn't cost me anything, I'm fine with it. I want to go to heaven one day. But then when any difficulties come, when any hardship comes, when, hey, I'm going to actually, and somebody might even make fun of me for being a Christian, whoa, hey, I'm out. Well, that's not God's desire for us. He wants us to bear fruit in our lives. He wants to change us from the inside out. Here's a life application. In order, to remain, in order to keep from being shallow, we need to grow deeper in our relationship with God. We need to surrender, listen, pray, obey. Starts with surrender. This could be on all of these. Every day. Lord, what do you want me to do today? I don't want to be a shallow Christian. Before I read my Bible, Lord, if you tell me to do something today, I'll do it. Then I read my Bible. I listen. I review some of the notes we went over today in a message. I listen. I pray. God, what would you have me do with this? I read this. Or I, I think you want me to change. Well, I don't know what to do. Would you show me somebody who can give me counsel on this? I don't know. But then once we've understood what to do, we obey. Well, if I'm doing this every day and adjusting my life, wrestling with what God wants me to do with my life, I won't be a shallow Christian. And then when hard times come, I'll, I'll be able to stand. I read about Christians in other cultures sometimes who are jailed and beaten and imprisoned for their faith. Man. When I read about that, I often, it's stuff where I got to get on my knees and go, Lord, I, I want to be like that. Would I be ready? 
Or does it only take a sideways glance from a family member to keep me quiet? Well, you shouldn't be talking about spiritual things. Keep it to yourself. I was just going to pray at a meal. Yeah, I don't want you forcing your religion on me. What? And sometimes all it takes is one statement, and then we're completely silent. And we don't know what to do. Sometimes it takes just one difficulty in our lives. And somebody goes, well, yeah, see, I told you that faith didn't amount to it. Yeah, I guess that's right. No, it's not right. There are things that come in my life that God has allowed to come into my life to test me and strengthen me. And the scripture makes that plain. I'm not going to give in the first sign of difficulty. Well, how am I going to get there? Well, I'm going to do this over and over and over again. Every day. Thirdly, some of the soil is thorny. It's got weeds and thorns in it. Seed that fell among thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. I mean, all these things are written here for us so we can be prepared. Look, we all understand if somebody has a fully yielded heart and somebody has a hard heart, but these two in the middle, these are troubling because that whole business there about, hey, if I fall away when things get tough, well, that's going to keep me from the life God wants. Also, I can just get distracted. Maybe nobody's even being the least bit discouraging to me. There's no difficulty in my life. But I just have a lot of great opportunities. And I like nice stuff. And I'm worried about the future. And so I don't have time to surrender and listen and pray and obey. I'm too busy with hobbies. Accumulating things. And the life application then is we must regularly prune competing priorities. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he'll give you everything you need. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Am I willing to prune the competing priorities in my life? Now again, this is all self-examination. How am I doing? Paul said, examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. And Jesus would say, hey, I'll tell you what the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is available for all who seek God. But I'm going to tell you these stories the way I tell them because I want you to choose me. I want you to seek me. People ask me all the time, well, why didn't God just make it so that nobody could ever choose to do anything but seek him? What, make us all robots that we all just did exactly what he wanted and, and we just stood there and and we all sang praises all day long and never did anything wrong? I mean, God could have made us that way. He could. He could have made a world where everybody's walking just like those little you know, figures on a, a beautiful clock. And they, every hour they come out and, you know, and they blow a trumpet or whatever it is. And then they go back inside. And God could do that with us. He could make us all exactly behave. And we would sit there and think, this is horrible. Even if we were conscious of everything, we'd have no free will and we'd just do whatever he wanted. But if he gives us a free will, well, the free will means we can either choose to go his way or go our own way. And he wants our love to be given freely. He said, so that's why I tell you these stories because for the word to take root in your life, you've got to let it come in. Finally, there's the good soil. The seed that fell on the good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30 or 60, even 100 times as much as has been planted. 
And again, 30 is okay, 60 is okay, and 100 is okay, depending on each person's individual potential. Not everybody's Billy Graham. But are we available that God can grow as much in our lives as he wants to grow? That he can do as much in his lives as he wants to do? In Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit is listed. What it looks like when the Holy Spirit takes control of our lives. He gives us love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Are these things evident in my life? In increasing measure as I grow closer to God. I mean, the goal of a relationship with Christ is not just to get saved so we don't go to hell when we die. The goal in our life is to bear fruit for these things to be, for the Holy Spirit to be doing these things in our life that people look at us five years, ten years later and they go, You're a completely different person. I mean, it's obvious. God's changing you. That's our life application. We must regularly examine our faith. Is this what's going on? Or have I allowed my heart to become hard? Have I gotten distracted because I haven't been pruning competing priorities? Have I become a person who's so stubborn that I won't listen? Or am I just shallow and I don't work on my relationship? So we examine ourselves. And Jesus said in Matthew 7, 17, a good tree produces good fruit. A bad tree produces bad fruit. Good tree can't produce bad fruit. Bad tree can't produce good fruit. Just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my heavenly Father will enter. How can I examine myself on this? Here are two key ways. By what I say and what I do. Am I willing to examine myself? And I phrase it this way about examining ourselves because this is a whole lot easier to examine the person next to you. And some of you have been taking notes, man, I cannot wait to share this with my wife. Okay? I cannot wait to share this with my brother. This is what he needs to hear. If you've been taking those notes, just cross out his name and put your name in there. Hey, by what I say and by what I do, would people say they see the love of God in me? They see the joy in my heart? that I'm a person who experiences peace, or do I experience worry and anger and hatred and stress and selfishness and doubt and harshness and no self-control? Those are the opposites. This is where God wants us to be. He has ears, let him hear. Now, two things real quickly. The gospel seed is what brings new life. And Jesus was broad sowing. He stood in front of crowds and he told the disciples, you hear, but there are many others here. They'll never hear a thing because they're not seeking. They're not looking. And they don't want this. There were people who wanted Jesus to come and be a political king. There were, Jesus, there were people who, who came and stood in front of Jesus and they wanted him to be a military hero. And Jesus said, no, I'm not setting up that kind of kingdom. This is a kingdom that changes people from the inside out. That's why he said the parables will let you know secrets because people hadn't anticipated this. Jesus was a descendant of King David, and they thought he'd be a mighty military hero and a political king like David had been. He goes, no, it's a different kind of kingdom. For I'm not ashamed of the good news about Christ. It's the power of God at work saving everyone who believes. 
Do you know that when people believe this is available to everyone, forgiveness of our sins, joy and love and peace and patience, gentleness, kindness, mercy, self-control? And did you know that when we present this to some people, I don't care. When are you going to talk about something practical? I don't care. And Jesus said, I'm telling you, that's what it's going to be. And that's the last life application. We must not become discouraged if people don't want to respond. Let's not become weary in doing good, for the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we don't give up. This message of the good news has to go out all over the world because there are going to be people who are receptive and people who will seek. There are other people who will not. Where's my heart today? Where's yours? Are we receptive? Are we distracted? Are we lazy? Are we shallow? Where would I be? Would you pray with me, please? Lord, at the beginning, in the middle of this message, we ask that you, for you to examine our hearts. I'd ask you to do it again. Lord, if we have been stubborn and lazy, I pray, Lord, that we would repent right now. If we've been distracted, Lord, by television, by sports, by work, by anything else that pulls our hearts away from you, Lord, that we'd say, Lord, please help me prune back. I know I need to spend more time with you. If we're shallow, Lord, please convict us of that. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you will help us never become discouraged to keep presenting the word. There are people all around us who are seeking you. They just don't know how to find you. And we get to be your hands and your feet. And Lord, when we find people receptive, I pray, Lord, we will run to them and help them. And we'll keep praying for the people whose hearts are hard right now. Maybe tomorrow something will change. I thank you for Jesus who showed us the mysteries of the kingdom. I thank you for these stories that make us ponder, where am I? What am I doing? And Father, you remind us you want love and joy and peace for us. Lord, you want us to experience new life in your name. Not just a little, but an overflow. So we pray, Lord, you will accomplish your work in our hearts. We pray these things in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen.